Welcome to the Joyful Learning Podcast. I'm Melanie Kovac, your host. What does the future of learning look like? And how can we make it joyful? The future is already here. It's just not yet evenly distributed, as the famous quote by William Gibson says. In this podcast, we'll hear from the innovators and entrepreneurs in education, the movers and shakers who are building the future of learning. Today, I talk with Nicole Stadler, who is the founder of GoTalent. With GoTalent, they want to empower especially self-employed women to be visible. So they teach them the basics of Instagram for business and other channels. Nicole also founded the Minerva Lounge, where we are actually sitting right now. Today we talk about how she went from being a skeptic of Instagram to being a big fan and then being asked to teach her strategy to others and the impact Instagram had on her business. We also talk about what she did when she noticed she was not fulfilled anymore with her business and how she reinvented herself. And she shares with us what happened when she put her courses online due to COVID-19. Unfortunately, the audio quality of this podcast is not perfect. There is some echo. However, I still wanted to share this specific episode with Nicole with you because we just had a great conversation. It just flowed and it was full of good vibes. So I hope you still enjoy it. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you very much, Melanie. So first question, when you were a girl growing up in the idyllic region in the middle of Switzerland, <laughs> What, what did you want to become when you grew up? Um, for me, it was always very clear that I would become a teacher. I never wrote anything down about it, but when I think back, I always behaved like a little teacher with my <laughs> younger brothers and sisters, and also sometimes with uh, like the children in the neighborhood. And I just loved to teach, and I also loved to learn. And one thing in particular, which I remember what I did when I was like five or six years old, I collected books for children and I constructed a library for all the neighborhood uh, kids. Wow. And I grew up in a neighborhood with like, I don't know, 30 or 40 kids in my age. It was huge and it was a huge playground. And I was the one always thinking of new games to play or building this library and just inviting the children to come together and, and, and to playfully learn and share and just go out and, and be a bit wild to discover this planet. This is beautiful. And now we actually started teaching. Yes, I did. That's, mm -hmm. that's, but mm -hmm. we will come back to that later. Mm -hmm. So first I want to ask you a bit more in general. Tell us who you are. <laughs> Who am I? That's a very big spiritual philosophical question, actually. Yes. <laughs> I tried to give you some facts. Um, so I studied journalism, history and ethnology. And I've always been very much interested in how do women create their lives. I have co-written a book about women at the beginning of the 20th century. How have they lived their daily life, basically? Wow, I didn't know that you wrote, co-wrote co the book. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been a while ago. It's like, I don't know, 12 or even 14 years ago. And I did a lot of interviews with a woman who was back then maybe 85 years old. And she told me all the stories, how she has lived in the 40s, in the 50s of the last century. And this I love very much. And I mentioned this because somehow it summarizes 
my 20s, so I have been busy studying exactly these kind of topics to investigate um, women and to, to see how they are creating their everyday life. I also worked as a journalist back then during my studies. And uh, later, I, after seven years in journalism, I was somehow open to, to discover something new. And I went into a field called headhunting <laughs> and worked for the next almost 10 years working with uh, people, finding them new jobs in IT industry. And one of the positions which I had back then was at Google. And uh, it was a, a very interesting chapter in my life. However, after two years, I decided to leave Google and found my own business. It's beautiful. Like when I think of you, it's always this, you've had all, already about three careers. <laughs> and I'm curious about that, how it now shifted because you started GoTalent now nine and a half years ago, as you just said, with headhunting. I wasn't sure you're okay with this uh, <laughs> name. Because it has kind of a bad... Work. Yeah, I, I don't use it actually anymore like this. I would now say I'm a recruiter, but back then the term was kind of okay. So back then I would call myself a headhunter. But yeah, now I, I've given up this business like two years ago. And I've completely shifted and transformed not only the topic of my business, but also the way I work. Yeah, I want to know more about that. I find that fascinating because when I got to know you, you were a bit more still focusing on the headhunting part because we met about two years ago, probably. Yeah. And it was wonderful to see the shift you made in the last two years, basically back to your childhood dream of becoming a teacher because now you do teach a lot of women how they can become more visible, especially mm -hmm. on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how that shift happened and, and why you did that shift. Yes, so it's been a long process. I have been self-employed maybe for six, seven years when I noticed that I was just not so fulfilled anymore. Mm -hmm. So this was like when I was maybe 35, 36 or so. And, and it stayed a while like this. I had to be quite for a long time with this feeling of being unsatisfied and not really knowing what I wanted to do instead. I just knew somehow that recruiting was not the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But still there was nothing else, you know. There was not this one idea that I was burning for. And so what could I do? I was just really, I was just with that. I was somehow waiting. I've always done a lot of self-development, reading a lot of books, attending a lot of courses. So this has been very important um, in all my life, basically. But this process, somehow I could not accelerate. Mm -hmm. And then, how did the transformation actually happen? It happened when I found this place where we are sitting here now. So. I, I somehow felt I wanted to have my own space, mm -hmm. like a little co-working space or a little center for seminars. And I did not need to, to search or to wait for it very long. Mm -hmm. I just found it really within weeks and signed the contract. And it's been exactly a year now since I've signed the contract of the Minerva Lounge, how I called it. And this really has changed everything. 
I don't know, since I'm here, I've just had a lot of ideas and also a lot of clarity about the direction I want to go. So tomorrow I will hire the sixth person wow, in a, in a part-time uh, situation. So um, I've really built up a little team working together with me. Yes, that's amazing because I remember you've been a company of one, so to speak, mm -hmm. for, for a, a long, long time. time. <laughs> and we've talked about this before and you were like, no, it, it's not the right time to employ people. And now you're, you're growing yeah. In, in yeah. incredibly fast. Yeah. I didn't want to hire people as long as I was unsure what to do professionally in my future. But I also knew that at some point I will have clarity. Mm -hmm. And then really I've, I've had this clarity maybe one or even one year ago or a bit longer. It, it is still becoming more clear by the day. You know, I see clearer um, every day a bit more than the day before. And I have to say that I trust very much my intuition. I'm not making a plan for the next one or two years. I'm not like that. Mm -hmm. um, I do have visions. I work with visions, but the visions are not so much something that you would write down a goal like I want to have um, 10 employers by the end of the year or so. Uh, my visions are much more based on an emotion. Mm -hmm. It's much more based on how do I want to feel while I'm at work. Um, what kind of environment do I want to create for both my clients and my employers and also for myself? So it's, it's much more based on these kind of, of feelings, emotions that I would like to achieve or, or better, better to say that I would like to create mm -hmm. actually. So these are my visions. It's beautiful. Can you say a bit more about what kind of environment you want to create and, and how you want to feel? So I would like to create an environment where people are open to bring in their own ideas, where people can flourish, where they can really um, feel and think by themselves and where we share common values. So for example, for me, it's, it's very important that everybody in my environment and in my team is allowed to be just the way they are today. So nobody has to be better or more successful or more um, intelligent or fitter or whatever. Everybody is basically just welcome the way they are. And then we can start to build from there. So it's not an energy or an atmosphere where it's about always achieving and reaching the maximum or so. I would rather encourage um, my women to also connect with their own intuition and to just do what they love to do, to focus very much on their strengths and then to, to go from there. Strength is a good keyword. Um, what would you say is your main strength? I would say that I really have a lot of ideas and that I'm also not shamed to just try and also to skip again if something does not work out. So I'm basically a player. I'm very playful, trying out a lot of things, um, sometimes leaving uh, certain experiences also behind without regretting that I've done it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just very playful. I think this is actually my, my biggest characteristics, which, which I like. Mm -hmm. And I try to encourage the people around me also to, to play around. And, and I remember I was very young when I started to see even the world as a playground. Mm -hmm. 
And for me, there is nothing negative about a failure or giving up something. It's just an experience which we are doing. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we are on this planet also to experience ourselves and, and, and to, from inside, outside, and start to play and to create. So talking about giving up, you gave up basically the headhunting business after about eight years or so. How, how did people react like when you just... Did you do that anymore? <laughs> Because I assume there are other entrepreneurs out there, you know, that started some time ago with some kind of business. And then at some point you realize, well, I rather want to do something different. You know, for me, it was a long transitioning. So it, it really took two or three years in total. And I have been always very frank in communicating about look, this is maybe not what I'm going to be doing the next 10 years or so. So I've never been hiding um, that I'm searching for something else or to grow in a different direction. So I assume people were not too surprised. And also a lot of my clients, they already knew that I'm constantly like reinventing myself new or my company. I think in every second newsletter, which I send out, there is the topic We have news <laughs> and it's always something so it's completely new. Really a newsletter that uh, owns up to his words. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I do not think that people were super surprised. And also I, I need to say at this point that I've always been working with social media. When I was a recruiter or headhunter, from the very beginning I have been working with LinkedIn, with Xing and Facebook. It, it was not that I just decided one day, okay, now I'm going to give Instagram coachings and I've never done any coaching like this before, you know, so I've had like 13, 14 years of experience with social media and this helped me, of course, a lot now when I positioned my company in, in that field. Yes, you, you just started the first Instagram agency in Switzerland, right? Yes. Congrats. As far as I know, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you just mentioned, actually I want to go a bit back again. So you said this started with, uh, the transition started with finding this space where mm -hmm. we're sitting right now, the Minerva Lounge. Mm -hmm. But actually you started teaching Instagram workshops before. Yes. Already when we've met. Yes. Mm -hmm. So can you say a bit, maybe a bit more why you started that or how that happened? Yeah, so I was very um, hesitant towards Instagram for a long time. And then it was actually maybe not even two years ago when I finally decided, okay, to give it a chance also. And before I was always saying, oh, another platform, I'm already on Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. I do not have time for this. But then a friend, she really showed me in detail how it works. And I found it fascinating because it is such a, like a positive, um, feminine platform, very active. And then I decided to give it a chance. And I've attended an online course about Instagram at the very beginning. And then I was really fascinated. And I understood that if I want to, to really take this serious, then I needed to have a strategy. And really immediately I, I wrote down my strategy and, and I've worked it out. And then three months later, I got a lot of requests if I could teach my strategy on Instagram to others. And then I, I remember in December 18, I facilitated my own 
very short three hours Instagram workshop and it became my signature workshop. So uh, since then I've done it every month, it's always been sold out. It was like the beginning of the shift, but back then of course I could not live from that one workshop mm -hmm. just once per month. And I knew it had the potential to, to become something bigger. Mm -hmm. And now I have like six different kind of workshops around Instagram and visibility. Mm -hmm. The one that I mentioned is still like the, the basic, the first workshop, which a lot of women attend, a lot of self-employed people, entrepreneurs also. And then they can choose like how to continue. So now it's really like become a program. And then like the, the, the next big step was that I founded the agency half a year ago because there were quite some clients, business clients, which did not have the time nor the interest nor... The, the, the knowledge to do all of this by themselves. They didn't want to write so much content. They didn't have a photographer. So this is what we provide. Beautiful. So you wanted to take it seriously with Instagram. So you knew you had to write a strategy. How can one imagine such a strategy? Because before you said a bit like you have visions, but you don't write down like goals or a plan. So how, how can I mentioned that strategy that you wrote down about Instagram. So this was then not like a vision, it was really a plan which I needed. So I knew, okay, um, in order to, let's say, facilitate a workshop or, or no, just even in order to reach a certain amount of engagement or, or followers, I needed to have a plan. Mm -hmm. The plan which I wrote down was actually very much my strategy about content like what kind of topics do I want to write about how often do I want to write about it and what kind of pictures am I using in combination with the content and I also learned that it is important to use hashtags so I was writing down or collecting like three four hundred hashtags which I'm using so all these things had to be written down once mm -hmm. then I just realized What I'm doing has a lot to do with my former work as a journalist mm -hmm. because um, I need to write like short stories on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And the difference for me now is that I can write about a topic that I am really interested in. Mm -hmm. Back then when I was a journalist, of course, my, my manager would tell me, okay, today you're going to write about this topic or that topic. And some of them were interesting to me and some a bit less. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just 100% like enthusiastic about what I'm writing always because mm -hmm. it's my topics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's like Steve Jobs said, you can only connect the dots in looking back. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes. So for the people listening who are still you know, skeptic of Instagram, they are yeah, maybe self-employed or entrepreneurs. For whom is Instagram important and on what can the impact be? Mm -hmm. I would not necessarily say to all of them that Instagram is important. To me, Instagram is important because I feel joy when I'm on this platform, because I feel it's a positive platform. And as I said, quite, quite feminine. I have a lot of female accounts which I'm following there, which are inspirational to me. But the most important thing when clients come and want to work on their visibility is that they find a platform which is really joyful to them, be it YouTube or be it a podcast or be it, I don't know, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And I would rather tell people to focus on one or two platforms and, and really do them um, with a lot of joy, with a, with a lot of pleasure, mm -hmm. in, in, instead of like being present on five or six platforms and then being totally overwhelmed because there is so much to do. Mm -hmm. Because it really is a lot of work. I see it already in my Instagram. I, you know, I'm investing a lot of time in this. How much time do you invest on a, on a weekly basis or daily basis? So I try to really work in blocks, so to say, which means that um, every second Monday I'm dedica I dedicate it completely to my content on social media platforms. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's like per month, maybe 10 to 12 hours, which I'm investing in writing content. And besides that, of course, I'm investing from Monday to Friday every day around half an hour to an hour of community building. Mm. And the community building is important really in order to grow. Also to me, it is important to not be online all the time. So I try to be um, mostly offline on weekends. And sometimes this works out very well. And sometimes, of course, not so well. Do you have notifications for Instagram, for comments, or do you go in on a specific time to see whether somebody commented or do the community, community building? I do not have any notifications, wow. Yeah, but also not on other, other platforms. Yeah. I just um, have like my daily routine in the morning. Um, I have like half an hour of time usually, mm -hmm. and then I spend it both on Instagram and on Facebook mm -hmm. and like commenting back. I'm seeing how people are interacting with me, I'm writing back to their messages, etc. But not first thing in the morning, right? No, no way. No, no, no. No, no. only once I am in the office. And then, of course, sometimes in the afternoon, you know, when I'm on a break or so, I would log in again. So to sum it up, basically you recommend people to not find the best platform for their business, but rather the platform that is joyful to them, because then they will do a good job. I, I would say it's a bit both. And usually it is also connected, you know. Mostly I hear from my clients that the one platform where their clients are is also the one which they enjoy the most. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Because I keep hearing entrepreneurs asking themselves, you know, like, do I need to be on that platform or that platform or, you know, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to just use the platform also for business that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, but, you know, for me, it is very important to look at this thing a bit wholeheartedly, like to not only be like very strategic and just saying, okay, I need this one because this brings me the most in that term. I... I've learned like 15 years ago how important it is to, to see where my energy goes into, where I feel joy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could be that Instagram is the platform where I have the biggest joy, but another platform would also be like promising to me. But then I would still choose the one where I would love to spend the time. So I want to come to the current situation, to the... COVID-19 situation and how you reacted to that as a business owner and also with your courses. So now we are in June and back in March when we like the Bundesrat announced the lockdown. How, how was it for you and your business and your community? 
Um, yeah, I saw it a bit coming because as an ex-journalist, I'm reading a lot of news. So it's quite uh, seeing what would happen within the next weeks or assuming that there would be a lockdown. So I was not unprepared. And luckily, a year ago, I have been experimenting with online workshops. So I have facilitated a few Zoom workshops already and I had my technical equipment ready and I knew, you know, I could just use this by tomorrow. I wouldn't need a lot of um, work to, to become familiar with this. So, I mean, I didn't have really a chance because I'm facilitating a lot of workshops, all of them lately here in the Minerva Lounge. And it is one of my main sources of income. So I needed somehow to make something out of this. And I transformed it to, to online workshops. And this went very smooth and um, I'm very happy about this. Uh, there's just one thing that I noticed. Energy-wise, to me, it was not possible to facilitate full-day workshops now online. Because these six-hour workshops that I have done before here in the Minerva Lounge, they, they are very different if you have like your people sitting in your room, they can ask the questions, you have a lot of exchange, you know, a lot of networking. You cannot just do the very same in an online version. Um, still in March, I think it was, when I decided to shorten all my workshops to three hours. And of course, this also meant that um, with my prices, I, I um, had to lower, to lower the price, of course, significantly. But then on the other hand side, I realized that now I can talk to people in Germany and Austria as well. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting because I then had uh, like double the amount of people participating. It was for me a very interesting experience. And now that we are opening up again, I actually would love to um, continue with my online workshops and both also with, with the workshops here in the Minerva Lounge and to alternate a bit. Is there a learning that you can share? Something that maybe, you know, you said you're okay with failures, <laughs> something that didn't work in the beginning when you facilitated it online. It, you know, you, you mentioned the energy, I think that you had to shorten the workshops significantly. Mm -hmm. Is there something else that you learned along the way? This was really the one big learning experience. Um, I would have loved to continue with six hour workshops, but I just needed to, to see that this is not healthy for me because afterwards I was so tired. I've just done one of them to tell myself, no, no, I don't want to do this. And you know, a part of me really wanted to do it. And another part could clearly see, no, this is not um, enjoyable. So I needed to be a bit strict with that part inside me <laughs> that still wanted to continue the way it was. So basically the learning experience is that it is important to trust my inner voice and then to see, okay, it also worked out with a three-hour workshop and I had double the people. So um, yeah, the learning was to, to trust my intuition to go with that and to not let my mind tell me otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now that we are opening up again 
and people are saying we are facing a recession and others say it's not that bad. Do you notice something in regards to people attending your workshops? Do they still want to learn about Instagram and do they still like, you have a big community of, of clients who are self-employed, right? So how are they handling the, the current situation? Do they want to invest in, in, in learning experiences in general and, and specifically in Instagram and their visibility or how do you notice that? I think so very much. So I see in my bookings that people are very interested in becoming visible and also in uh, new platforms. And for me, it's also clear that I do not want to limit myself to Instagram. For me, it is about something bigger. It's about making people visible. Um, I'm working mainly with really conscious people who have like a sustainable business, people who want to change something in the world. And I love to help them to become visible. And if they do not choose Instagram, that's not a problem at all. I just would also like to help them to be ranked on Google in a, in a, like on number one or just as high as possible. I would love to help them to become visible just in the media, not only in the social media, but in media. And so I'm somehow shifting a bit with the positioning of my company, not only Instagram, but just having the topic of visibility and also a bit like how to deal with media in general. And so the idea is also that I am hiring different people who have expertise in other fields around visibility and to let them facilitate their own workshops here in Minerva Lounge. So the vision is more about helping people become visible no matter which channel. And, and exactly, which exactly. But it has to be um, a way that is true to themselves, that, that they show themselves in an authentic, truthful way. This is really important to me. I'm fascinated by Instagram, but I, you know, if my clients are not, that's, mm -hmm. that's not a problem at all. They just should be aware what kind of channels are there, what platforms could they use, and then make the best out of that platform which they choose. I know Instagram also helped you business-wise. Can you share something about your success story or some of your clients, how it helped you? You know, my entire business has now grown because of Instagram very much, because I have gained a lot of followers in a short time. But this was also because I've created a lot of content. So I've been quite diligent. And, you know, this content helped me actually that people started to book me really on Instagram. So some people did not even visit the website anymore. Usually you would say you have a platform and it helps you to bring the people to your website. But after like being for half a year on Instagram, I received a lot of bookings on Instagram itself. And this is still the case. So I have a lot of clients really finding me there. And what I also can say has helped me and also a lot of clients is that we have started to pay some advertisements or, or to invest in advertisement and not with a big budget, not at all. You can really invest like small amounts of money. And I remember once I advertised for one of my courses with uh, 20 Swiss francs and I have five people signing up for the course. Wow. So this was like really a, a big success. And a lot of my clients have, have similar successes. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have any exercise that you can share that you do in your, especially in the online workshops that break the ice or help people focus or, or whatever? Mm -hmm. There is something that I do both in my online workshops and also in my offline workshops. And you have to know that for me, it is very important that we are in contact with our bodies. So I think um, our society is way too mental. I think we are thinking too much <laughs> and we're not feeling enough. And especially we're not in contact with our bodies. A lot of people are not. They are not feeling what's going on in their bodies. And me included, you know, I, I, I forget about it all the time. And so even when I'm facilitating a workshop, I try to be in contact with my body, which basically means the easiest way to be in contact means to breathe consciously to have deep in breath and out, out breath that's one thing and another thing is that i am very conscious on on my feet you know do they touch the ground how am i sitting right now they are not on the ground so it has an impact on how i'm speaking and i notice for example when i have both my feet on the ground and i'm sitting straight up that my voice sounds different but of course i do not always remember these kind of things but I try just when it comes to my mind to sit down properly, have both my feet on the ground again. And then again, also not be too strict with myself if I forget it and forget it and forget it again. And then just tell me, okay, now I'm going to sit again in a way that is actually healthy for my body to breathe through and then to dedicate myself again um, to the people who are attending my workshop. And then you also guide them through an exercise like this? Mm, it depends a bit. So I have uh, started before the lockdown in a few workshops where we did this. Mm -hmm. um, also, once per year, I'm facilitating uh, a workshop around visions. Yes, I love that one. <laughs> We've been there twice. <laughs> and in this workshop, we actually do really some work. We're shaking the bodies, we're dancing, we're doing connection exercises, physical exercises. In my visibility workshop, it's a bit different, but I have started to experiment really when people are here in the Minerva Lounge because it's just me, I love to do this. Mm -hmm. and, but it needed some friend telling me, hey, just do it, it's, it's yours, you can, you can create it the way you want. You don't need to, to hold it back because you think it's not professional. So I'm, and so I've done it like twice and then the lockdown came and I hope that in July when we open again, that I have the courage to do it again. <laughs> yes, I hope so. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so what's your question around learning or anything related to that for my next guest? So from your next guest, I would love to hear what he or she plans to experience as their next learning experience. Thanks for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Joyful Learning Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to melanikovac.com to find more resources and to join the conversation around how we can make learning joyful again. Can't wait to talk to you about this. See you there.